You're listening to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. As a marketing expert in the corporate world and a side hustler myself, you'll hear the real girl talk on all things workplace and work life with me and my inspiring guests who've been exactly where you are. Working Girl Talk is on a mission to make your workday better. Now, let's talk. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 90 of Working Girl Talk. So happy to have you here. This is going to be a fun episode. As we start off the episode, let's dive into some headlines. Then we'll head into our Working Girl Talk interview with Lucy Basta, which I am so excited about. So first, let's dive into a few headlines that you need to know about as you take on the workday. First up from TechCrunch, According to a new market forecast, Spotify's U.S. podcast listenership may surpass Apple Podcasts for the first time this year with a projection of them receiving 28.2 million U.S. users versus Apple Podcasts, 28 million. So this is a big projection right now. Spotify has been trying to be Apple in the podcast game for a long time, and we'll see what happens. It definitely makes sense. Spotify has done a lot of deals this year, and I'm sure they'll be releasing even more. Next story, Variety reports that Netflix is coming at us with a feature that may remind you of TikTok. So a new feature on Netflix's app called Fast Laughs will feature comedy clips from various programs on its service in a vertically scrollable interface very similar to TikTok. It also allows users to react to the clip with an LOL button, share the clip to social media, or add that program to the list of titles they want to watch. Netflix reportedly plans to include up to 100 curated clips per day on this new tab, according to Variety. This is specifically on the mobile app, which I think will probably be very easy to share on social. So I'm interested to see how this works. Just another platform going after the short form video content and going after this next generation who is very active on TikTok. Next and last story, the 19th reported that the person selected to take the first U.S. commercial space flight is a 29-year-old female physician assistant at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis. The 19th says Haley Arsenault, who is scheduled to shoot into space aboard a SpaceX rocket in the fall, will not only become the first civilian woman to reach orbit, but also the first pediatric cancer patient as well as the youngest American in space, according to the 19th. Very cool. I just thought that was some fun news for the day. As always, every headline I mention is linked in the show notes so you can check out these articles even more. And now let's dive into our Working Girl Talk interview. I am so excited about this interview today. Our guest is Lucy Basta, the co-founder and co-CEO of WorkWell. WorkWell is a one-stop shop for offering winning interview skills, effective job search plans, and a supportive lifelong community with deep roots in the tech field. WorkWell has helped over a thousand people get jobs in tech. It's such a cool company and Lucy Basta is awesome. Fun fact, Lucy and I have known each other for a long time. I've known her almost my whole life and it was such a treat to get to have her on the show. It is such a fun interview. I love chatting with her and she has always been just the nicest, best person and still is. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. WorkWell is doing amazing things 
Lucy has some amazing insight and tips. We talk about her starting work well with her co-founder. Also, Lucy's career journey leading up to that. She has a really unique background. She worked at Apple. We talk all about working at Apple in the Bay Area and how to be a leader that works with positive intent. And we talk about how to get into the tech field with a non-tech work experience, how to share your story in interviews, and salary negotiation tips. We talk very specifically how to negotiate your salary. Lucy and her co-founder do this all the time. This is a big service they offer and it is seriously so helpful. So get ready to take some notes and let's go. Welcome Lucy to the show. So I moved to Maui last year. Love. Yes, the best. So (laughs) like deep in the jungle you might hear some roosters in the background and it's just part of the part of the environment so (laughs) what prompted the move to Maui so I flew out to Maui about three years ago when Whitney and I my co-founder and just I don't even know what to call her my like (laughs) bestest of friends all my friends are my best friends but we got laid off one day uh and from our startup we went in for a performance review and <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a, a performance review. So we found ourselves in my backyard in San Francisco, like, hey, we don't have jobs. We could get a job tomorrow if we wanted to, because we know how to do that. And so that was very empowering. And yeah, Work Well was born. We sort of went from unemployed to founders. And I had a really kind of interesting um experience where one of my best friends called me in Maui and was like, Hey, there's like a 10 day silent meditation. Come the wait list for this is like a year and a half, but I'll get you, I'll get you in. And I was like, no, no. Cause I'd always been telling her like, I don't have 10 days to like take off and do nothing. And so she was like, please Lucy, like this is the one time in your life that you're not working, like come. So I came to Maui and on day seven, day one through six of the meditation was miserable. <laughs> on day seven, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is why people meditate. I get it. And I was like, ah, oh, this is a really beautiful space. I'm going to live here. I just knew in my, my whole being that I wanted to live in Maui. So yeah, the time came. One of the rare blessings of 2020 um, where my company went fully remote and I had the opportunity to come out here. So it's been really special. How fun. Okay. That is so cool. I love it. I miss Hawaii so much. This is just fun because I feel like most of my guests, I'm either meeting them for the first time or know them casually, but we go way back, Lucy. So this is way back. (laughs) Yeah. Like Prince and Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Like way back. It's so funny. I was actually taking some time to like sit quietly before this. And I was like, oh my God, I've literally known you for like 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I would love to start with your career journey. I know you just talked about it a little bit. You gave us a little sneak peek of how Workwell was born, but I'd love to hear about how your career journey was leading up to that point, and then we can go into all the specifics with Workwell. Yeah, so it was not linear, like <laughs> most people's career journey. I went to UNLV and majored in biology. I'm using that major every single day. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But I, yeah, so I was working in the emergency room in downtown Las Vegas. That was my first sort of real job. I'm sure Um, that was crazy also. It was, yeah, I worked the night shift too, because it was a dollar more an hour. So I was making 14 (laughs) bucks back then. I thought it was so cool. And it was insane. Just like you said, it was people from all over 
the world coming to Vegas and thinking that what happens stays in Vegas, but they end up in the ER. And um, yeah, it was, I got stories. Maybe we can do a separate podcast. I'm just like <laughs> chief complaints in the emergency room in Vegas. <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, I don't like this. That's my truth. My mother is in medicine. My brother's like MD, PhD, <laughs> you know how it is. So I was like, oh, I'll do medicine. Cause that's, you know, family pressure. So I applied to PA school. I got accepted into Howard University on the East Coast. And I also really put myself out there just to see what would come back. And within a two week span, I received three offers. One was from Howard University. The second was from Apple for a tech leadership role in San Francisco. And then the third was for Teach for America that would have kept me in Vegas teaching biology. So, I mean, very, very different <laughs> offers, two weeks and very different paths. I remember sort of feeling a little frozen. And one of my friends was like, Lucy, this is an amazing problem to have. Like a lot of people can't even get an offer and you have three really incredible ones. And I was like, okay, thanks for the perspective. I do appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I went down, same friend that I told you about who brought me out to Maui. Uh, she lived down the street from me in Vegas. So I went over to her, her house and I was just complaining, you know, like I have all these offers. I don't know what to do. And <laughs> My parents are going to like not talk to me if I don't, you know, go to medical route. And I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. And then she just does what any great friend would do. She puts her hand on my heart and is like, what does this say? And immediately it came out of my mouth and it was like, oh, move to San Francisco and work at Apple. And that was it. That was my truth. And there was a lot of noise around that truth. So I did it. I moved out and I... Oh my gosh, Apple was just such a gift to my life. I was in a two-year leadership program and learned the first year was being an individual contributor in the different departments. So like sales and tech, just all the different pieces of it. And the second year was leading the different departments and getting that experience and just growing a ton. And then, you know, I moved up throughout the company. I was promoted to their global flagship store where I led a team of 400 people at their downtown San Francisco location. So that was an amazing time. At one point I knew everyone's name, which I felt really proud of. Wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's <is> awesome. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. And then there came an opportunity, I think, you know, a nod to synchronicity. Um, my boss at Apple connected me with the CEO of another company who ended up uh, hiring me for just this tech startup that was really cool. We taught software engineers interpersonal skills so they could land jobs within the tech industry. And yeah, and then WorkWell was born shortly after that. So that's a little bit of my kind of crazy journey. That is so cool. So what would you say is the biggest shock you had going into that job with Apple? Like, was that just like a whole different experience? Oh my God. <laughs> it was like stepping into another world, truly. It was just, and it was the Bay Area and it was tech and it was leadership all at the same time. Yeah. So Oh my gosh, I have so much compassion for my younger self. <laughs> I just was stepping into the unknown. Ignorance is great sometimes because I think if I knew what I was really getting into, I might not have chose it initially. It would have been too scary. But what, it, what was it like? It really woke me up to realize, oh, leadership is not a joke. Like leadership is a truly just a, an act of self awareness and knowledge and not so I can be like, oh, I know myself so well, but so I can be that person to other people and really lead better from the heart. So I learned 
so much from really, in my opinion, the world's best leaders. They were just so cool. They taught me this thing called positive intent. Have you heard of assuming positive intent? No, but it sounds nice. So tell us about it. Oh my God. Let me tell you about positive intent. Something we did not experience in the ER. Um, (laughs) So positive intent is when someone does something at work and you're like, what the heck? Why did you do that? Instead of making them wrong, no shaming or blaming, we assume that this is, there's a reason. Why don't we bring curiosity and assume that they have positive intentions of, you know, doing that thing that, you know, messed the system up or whatever. And so it really taught me to get curious as opposed to sort of living in this binary right and wrong, like I'm right, you know, the team's wrong and things like that, which was so ignorant of me because I just didn't know what I didn't know back then. So Mm -hmm. I learned to assume positive intent and ask questions, seek to understand before being understood. That was um, really a game changer for me. Yeah, I could talk to you forever about my time at Apple (laughs) leading and just all the lessons that I've learned. And also, I mean, just real talk, like my position was a highly coveted position. It was like thousands, tens of thousands of people applied to this role and they picked two people. Um, for that location. And yeah, and there were people, you know, who had been applying to that role that I was leading, who had had 15 plus years of tech experience, who wanted my job. And, and then I had to lead them. And and that was just fun. <laughs> how'd you, how'd you yeah. navigate that? How did you go about leading a team like that? Cause I know that can be a challenge for people. Yeah. Well, at respect. first, <laughs> totally at first, not so well, like I was sort of triggered by the fact that I wasn't getting respect, right? And then that, I think I learned a lot through messing up because, and I'll just be honest about it. Yeah, I I wish I could stand here and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, I was great at that. I just, you know, it rolled off me. But no, it was really challenging. And what I realized is this is very important. So this is a practice that I carry to this day. I learned to distinguish, there's a really powerful question that I asked myself, like what's mine and what's not mine? And that wasn't mine. That person was experiencing jealousy for seeing me, you know, be in this powerful position. They would literally go around me to another leader to get, you know, a sign off on something, even though I was available, right? It was just, they couldn't, that it, that would take us a level of humility that, that they didn't have at the time. And I don't want to make them wrong for that either. You know, like, I think if I was in their shoes, I, I might even feel the same type of way. So I think none of it's wrong. It's more just loving them anyway, you know, and I do want to use the word love because I do believe that that has been missing in the workplace for a long time. And I grew to focus on, okay, what is this person doing well? Instead of, you know, this person is so disrespectful towards me. And so, you know, all these things, I, you know, humans have a natural negativity bias and I don't want to only dwell on that. Everyone has some positive qualities. So um, fast forward, actually, this is really cool. That same person who was (laughs) just not having it with me, when I, when I became a leader at that location, he sat me down about four years later when I was getting promoted to the next location. And he said, Hey, I am so sorry. And I was like, for what? And he was like, these last several years, I've just been so awful to you. And I was like, yeah, you have. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I just realized. And he's like, honestly, it's because I'm jealous. Like I applied to that role several times and I never even had an interview. And then here you come 
some random person from Las Vegas who like doesn't really even know how to use her iPhone and <laughs> and now you're telling me what to do and I was like yeah so I thought it was so sweet of him to um I think that takes something that takes courage to apologize and to say hey I was you know that wasn't cool and I'm sorry and I will say I mean I'm, I'm sharing about this person now that person I'm grateful for that experience in a way it really made me look in and made me you know I <laughs> I lead, I lead uh, a team of very big personalities, including myself, and uh, and I think it's important to remember some of those qualities of patience and curiosity and looking for the best in people that I still use to this day, just with my own team. Totally. That makes me think, how do other people get into this tech space? Because you were able to maybe not having this traditional tech background breaking into this field. And I know that this is something you help with at work well. Any advice for somebody who may not be coming from a tech background right now, but wants to break into this field? Yeah. How much time do you have? This is my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. Okay. So the, the end of it is we are in the age of authenticity and skills can be learned, hard skills. I can learn how to use my iPhone. <laughs> well, I can learn all of, you know, systems and things. What is much more challenging to teach in the workplace is these essential skills, formerly known as soft skills, that are listening deeply and being curious, you know, teamwork, uh, interpersonal savvy. These competencies are so critical because they just don't happen quickly and um, one of my leaders told me when she taught me how to hire when I was back at Apple, she said, Lucy, one person with Venom can bring an entire team down. And Venom can look Amen. a lot of different ways. So real. Yeah, we've all experienced that. And if you haven't, you're probably that person, folks listening. Okay. Watch out. So, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, what, what is, let's like dissect that for a second. It's important that we listen to, you know, what it is that we're good at. I think a lot of people applying into the tech space are, they have a lot of this thing called imposter syndrome that's thrown, thrown around a lot where they're like, I don't meet hundred percent of the requirements, but I'm going to fake it till I make it. And I just, that's not authentic and people can tell um, when someone's faking it. So I think it's really important to know your gifts and also know what your gifts are not and assume that the hiring manager is smart enough to, you know, he, she, they, it can hire people with those gifts. Not everyone has to have all of the gifts. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what we do, the work that we do is we, number one, start with values. So what are your values? How do they align with the organizations? For me, when I got into Apple, you know, they straight up asked me, hey, like we have people here with over a dozen years of tech experience and leadership experience. You have no formal <laughs> leadership experience and no formal tech experience. Why should we hire you? Just like, and I appreciated how blunt they were. Cause I was like, I thought about this too. Like, let me tell you why. And, and I said, and I really was able to say, Hey, you know, I had high, high will, uh, you know, seemingly low skill, but my values were in alignment. I showcased how the emergency room in Vegas was very similar to the emergency room at the Genius Bar. That was sort of the emergency room of technology. And now I had a sense of urgency, teamwork and communication. And these were the results that we were able to achieve from working together. And I just showed, hey, I haven't been in this environment, but I have the skills that are necessary and they translate. 
So those are, you know, what we call transferable skills. And, and it's important, I, I would say, just to believe, like, I really believed in my story. I really believed that I could do that job. It would be, you know, a quantum leap for me based on where I was. And I was ready for it. And I, and I showcased my heart. I showcased how I was able to use Apple products to, you know, I made a documentary for my uncle who had terminal cancer. And I went on this like massive road trip and just, you know, found all of his family members and friends and sat in their living rooms, drank tea and recorded them sharing stories of, of his life and just how amazing he was. And I was able to go to the Genius Bar and they had this program called One to One. And uh, creative helped me create this documentary of just all these videos. And I showed it to him on his last Christmas with us. And I was able to touch a human life. He said that, you know, at the end of the video, he stood up and was like, wow, this was so meaningful to me. Thank you. And I just felt, wow, like here I was in the ER and I was also an EMT and I was learning how to, you know, physically suture people's wounds. And I realized people have emotional healing that needs to happen too. And for him, it was being seen, you know, by the family and just how much he made an impact and a difference in people's lives and tying that into how I use Apple products and their services and technology to actually, you know, bio major over here to create something so beautiful and so impactful that really showcased my values and my heart and what I care about and being able to have the courage to say, you know, I don't know how to make a documentary. I can barely turn this phone on, but I'm going to go out and do this, you know, and um, and just the collaboration and the people that I networked with to support me in making that the most beautiful piece of work I could. So that's what I would say is, is it doesn't have to be work related. You don't have to have all the years of experience, but it is important to, to really speak from the heart in these interviews and showcase, you know, you can learn these skills, and, but who are you and why do you want to be at that company? really important. I totally agree. I think we get in this thing where it's like, I want to be such a great fit for them. And you're kind of stressed out in the interview where you lose that authenticity and why you actually want to work there. And yeah, I think people forget that, that in, in you were able to kind of use that non-tech background to your advantage because of it. Yeah. I, I A lot of people are using non-tech backgrounds to their advantage because tech has realized, you know, there's nothing that can really replace the human touch. And there's so many people from the service industries and retail and people who have amazing essential skills, but just don't see their worth because they're like, I don't know how to code. You know, I'm not techie. Mm-hmm. And it it, it's okay. You know, they're like over, you know, half the roles in tech are non-technical and they need people skills. Um, I think that's something that has really been missing in, in the industry. So, um, so yeah, our job is to really mirror, okay, what are these skills that are unique to you? And, and how do we give you the language of competencies to speak about those things and how it made a difference in someone's life? And these stories are extremely memorable. Um, extremely memorable in the interview process. So that gets us back to work well, which I am so excited to dive into this part. So you gave us a little sneak peek of how it it was born. So kind of going back to those beginning days, any fear with that? Was there any part of you that was like, oh, I should just go back and try to find a traditional job? Or was it all (laughs) like, I'm going to go start my own thing with my friend? Yeah, it's so funny. I was offered a traditional job for an insane amount of money that was part-time. And I almost took it. It would have been so amazing <laughs> at the time. Because, but I, you know, me and my co-founder had a heart to heart. She was like, you could do that, but you're not going to focus on work well. Like, I know you, you're going to focus on that. And 
And I said, okay, you're right. Like, this is such a risk. I mean, we were living in San Francisco at the time, not getting paid, right? So that, (laughs) yeah, it was scary is a great, great way to define it, Abby. So yeah, I was definitely scared. I would go to networking events and, you know, the number one question in the city is, what do you, what do you do? You know, and I was like, I'm unemployed. (laughs) And then I started saying, I'm a founder of a company. And we were called this, before we were called WorkWell, we were like this awful name uh, that I won't even repeat. We thought it was so cool. And um, and I was like, I'm the founder of this company. And people were like, oh, that's cool. I was like, all right, that's cooler. I'll just go with that. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, instead of fake it till you make it, it was like, fake it till you become it. Like that, you know, it, it took me a few years even to really step into that role as founder especially because I was an individual contributor for the first, you know, year and a half getting the thing off the ground and and all that. Awesome. Well, now fast forwarding to now, you guys have helped place like a thousand, a little over a thousand people in tech jobs. What was it like helping that first person? Do you remember like get their first job? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where the ride really begins. You know, we were in the bubble gum and duct tape phase of our startup (laughs) where it was just like, anyone who needs help job searching, we will support you. And we, um, you know, we're a premium product. And back then it was like, we have this skill, we're just going to share it with our community so we can refine it, you know, get the data, what's working, what's not working and continue to refine and build the product. So our first, this is crazy. So we had 16 people in our first accelerator, one woman, I love her story so much. So she came to us, she was job seeking for eight months and it was rejection after auto rejection after auto rejection. And that does something to people when they're mm-hmm. job seeking, they start thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get a job and all this. So she was like, Hey, it's been eight months. Like I, I need help. I'll sign up for your program. Like what's your name? Work well. Okay, cool. Whatever. <laughs> we're like, okay, yay. Like we'll help you. So we had on the second night of our program, we do something called pitch presentations where we work through So, you know, what's your pitch? And, you know, the data shows that 33% of hiring managers know within the first 90 seconds of an interview, whether or not they're going to hire someone, that's pretty significant. So your pitch is really important. That's the first question you get asked. Tell me about yourself. On pitch presentation night, she gave her pitch and it was like completely silent in the class after. And someone just started clapping. They're like, dang, like, (laughs) you're so, you're such a boss. And she was like me and everyone was like, wow, that was really incredible. And it really uplifted her. It's like she forgot who she was because she was just getting rejections and wasn't seeing herself anymore. So playing the tape forward, we teach how to network effectively. Um, I'll give you some perspective. Like I I have a friend at Google who's a recruiter. She gets over a million resumes a year sourcing for five roles. So the volume is insane of the amount of people trying to get into tech. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to paint that picture with numbers because people will just think it's them and that's, it's not, it's like mm-hmm. yes and it's like a, a really competitive market, right? So we work with her to stop cold applying and really start talking to humans at companies that she's interested in. And uh, she ultimately worked her way into Amazon. Uh, we helped her refine her um, resume. It said found, it said like founder and that doesn't mean anything in the industry. So 
you know, companies are looking for highly specialized skills. So we ended up putting senior product marketing manager, since that was a big hat that she wore and also the role she was targeting. Um, so yeah, she ended up landing that job at Amazon as a senior product marketing manager. They offered her $200,000 in base salary, plus all the perks of working at Amazon. And we teach salary negotiation at WorkWell. So we helped her through one email, ask for more money, and we got her up to 220000 That was a $20,000 email. So super proud <laughs> of her. Yeah. And I mean, play the tape forward. She actually just reached out to Whitney and I a couple of weeks ago and was like, hey, like good news. I'm getting promoted at Amazon. I want someone to backfill my role. This hasn't gone live yet. Is there anyone in the WorkWell community who is interested in my position? And that is the power of community. That is so beautiful. So yeah, I love work well. It really, I mean, I can just feel it in my body now. Like this is the stuff that lights me up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That yeah. is incredible. And that's why guys, that's why Lucy is also here. We're going to talk about salary negotiation a little bit because if that $20,000 email, we, we need some help there. So that is awesome. As work well has progressed. What's been the biggest learning for you? Cause you interface with so many different people, you have coaches, your team's growing. So as a business owner, what has been the biggest takeaway so far? Not knowing is most intimate. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I can spend all this energy and trying to figure it out and, you know, get everything right. And it goes completely wrong based on what I thought right was. And for me, it's showing up knowing that every day I'm going to learn something new every single day. And I'm humbled. It really is interesting being a founder of a company and having a team. We have 17 people now who are supporting work well. And um, just, it, it, you know, these people are smarter than us in certain areas <laughs> for a reason. It's like, this is why we hired them. And it, it takes such a humility to, you know, tell someone what to do who's smarter than you <laughs> and say, trust that this is, this is what we need to have happen, <laughs> make it happen with your skills, you know? And so just being really, really open and really, really, again, you know, I've, I've brought up the word curious, but being curious about people, being curious about, you know, why people do what they do and how they work and, and understanding that I can't lead everyone in the same way. There is something called situational leadership and some people need higher direction. Other people just need like, hey, you're doing a great job, keep going. And other people need more specific performance coaching. And so how do I meet someone where they are um, so I can make sure that they're doing the best work that they can do and, mm -hmm. and how I lead impacts that. I love that. And that's a really interesting take on leadership. I like that a lot. And even the fact that you mentioned earlier that you knew all 400, I think of those employees name, like that's an awesome leader. People always talk about leadership style and, oh, what's your leadership style. But it sounds like you kind of have like individual, like you treat employees differently. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit more when, if people are trying to figure out their leadership style, can you kind of elaborate yeah. on that? leadership isn't this like fixated, like, okay, now I've become the best leader and this is my <laughs> style and I'm rocking with this forever. Like that's not leadership. Like that's mm -hmm. fixed mindset. So for me, you know, I'm, you know, a lot of our team is Gen Z. <laughs> I'm a millennial. Um, and, and a lot of our clients too are, are actually like our youngest client was 22 and our oldest was about 66. We're in this age of massive consumption and massive individualism. And 
a lot of folks, and this isn't wrong, I want to be clear about that, are just like, I'm very unique and I'm really special and I'm not like everyone else, which is true, but it's the both and. It's like, yes, and you're human. And, um, <laughs> and, and we do have a lot of, you know, shared uh, similarities. So the way that I like to work with folks is in our first meeting at, with anyone that I meet who's on the team, we just actually onboarded someone this last week. And I was like, hey, who are you? What do you like? Talk to me about your values. What makes you tick? You know, what, what are you working on developmentally? I want to support you. And I just want to know from, you know, from their, their, their season of life, what are they working on and how can we at WorkWell support? So I, organization skills have really helped me. I didn't have those, but in order to be an effective leader, I have to, I use my reminders on um, my computer and I have a note, uh, like a category for every single person that works on the team. And I just keep track of their development. And so every call I open up that note and I'm like, all right, last time we talked, you were working on this competency. Where are we at? How are you doing with that? And if I've seen improvement and growth, then I say, hey, like, I noticed you were working with like working on composure, dealing with ambiguity. Congrats. You've been doing that extremely well over the last, you know, several weeks and here's specifically how. So, I do think it's important that people have individual plans. Number 1 because, you know, we all want to feel seen and understood and and mentored. I think that's really important. You know, being a founder, I don't necessarily have a mentor in the company. Like I don't have a boss, right? And so I, but I know when I did have a boss, I knew how important it was to be seen by my boss and to be recognized and to feel challenged and pushed to my edges of growth. And so I do that um, because I know how helpful it was um, just in my, in my journey. I love that. So, and kind of going back to the word you said earlier, love, like a real, like love for your employees and you care about what they're doing. I think that's so cool and needed. I think that is such a great mindset to have. That It's not so much about the leadership style. So you work with a lot of people and helping them get these jobs. So over the course of work, well, has there been a common theme when it comes to what people are struggling with? Like what's like the common thing you hear? A lot of it's worth. People just don't understand their worth in the market. A lot of it is language. We don't, no one teaches us how to interview. We're sort of expected to just figure it out. And that's what, right. Yeah. And so so work well is the in-between of like, Hey, you don't have to wing it. You can actually come to our accelerator and we will teach you everything from the person who's like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life, but I know I have high potential. Help me bring language to it. To the person who's like, hey, I have these offers and I need help negotiating because I have no idea what I'm doing and everything in between. So, oh my gosh, I wish I had work well, you know, <laughs> when I was job seeking. But a lot of it is what I shared, you know, being able to land those three offers that I mentioned that are really incredible offers in very different areas. You know, I can't tell the same stories because they're looking for different competencies. So something that I love that my co-founder Whitney shares, she's like, if your life was like this beautiful painting, and you're in a dark room, and this is sort of a metaphor for an an interview, and she's like, you have a flashlight. She's like, you get to choose where you want to focus the light. You have so many options of where you, what stories you want to tell, where you want to bring your, those stories forward. It's critical to remember that, you know, speaking to our audience is going to be different in the same way that 
talked about situational leadership. Like people are at different stages of their journey. Do the heavy lifting, research the company, understand you know, what makes them tick. How can you uniquely add value to their mission and what they're doing? And past success is indicative of future success. So I tell my clients like what, you know, this company's looking for someone who's going to drive for results. You better be sharing stories, highlight the areas in your life that you've driven for results. And what are they? Metrics matter. People remember, right? Like I could say, Hey, I'll be like, yeah, I've led some people. It's been great. Or I could say, yeah, I worked at Apple in leadership. I led a team of 400 people at their global flagship location, right? That is more memorable than just Mm -hmm. casually rolling up to an interview. Like, Hey, (laughs) Yeah, I like lead people, you know, it's just a a whole different vibe and confidence. I think the last thing is confidence. A lot of people don't have confidence because of the rejections. And so our work, our coaches, we have an amazing coaching team. Um, Some folks who work at, you know, Dropbox, Dropbox experience, just all kinds of companies in tech who their job is to mirror the gifts of our clients. So they see, oh, actually, yeah, I do have all these skills that I wasn't aware of because I was like a fish in water and I just didn't even know that I had the skill because it's what I do. So true. I love that. Even that example you gave right there when you said Apple, I was like, oh, like it, like it's so crazy that your ears perk up right away. That's so interesting. So you really got to know your story and your values. Like you said, we talked a little bit about resumes. What is one resume mistake that you think we're making that we should stop? Just one, <laughs> or you have a few. <laughs> no, um, I would say uh, highly specialize yourself. And the example that I gave with our client, who's now at Amazon, you know, a generic position versus senior product marketing manager, two very different things. And I'll say the top half of your resume is prime real estate. Recruiters are spending less than six seconds on your resume, so don't waste it with like a bunch of space or like just like get, get to the point because they're really skimming um, the top half. And so you want to have relevant work experience at that top half. Mm -hmm. So do you recommend not having that, that little like pair when people do like a summary? Yeah. This is extremely controversial, pretty open about a lot of things. This is something that I have made up my mind on based on our thousand plus data points. Um, No, summaries are usually very generic and a waste of time and they don't actually say anything or it's, they say what everyone else is saying. I want to make a difference in the world and I want which is great. And six seconds, like, let's get to the point. What did you achieve? That's important. Just no summaries, please. (laughs) Love that. Everyone take note, no more summaries. I completely agree. I think that, and that is if they're asking for a cover letter, I think you could kind of throw that exactly in there as well. Salary negotiations. If somebody is nervous and they do not know where to begin with this, what do you recommend? How do we, how does somebody navigate that? People get very flustered and maybe we're missing out on some dollar signs here. Oh, all the tips. This is (laughs) one of my favorite conversations. Fun fact, Google invited us to go speak to their women leaders organizations on salary negotiation. They have a branch Waymo, their autonomous vehicle, but they were having sort of like this weekend where they, uh, Whitney, my co-founder, she gives talks on this. So if anyone can show up to any of her talks, she does them a couple times a year, but definitely want to check those out. And they're free because we want to empower the community with these skills. So what I will say is number one, know your market worth which is not to be confused with your intrinsic worth as a human being. So don't get that twisted. Um, And understand the range. It's really important to have a range when you're going into negotiation because 
you know, it, it, that conversation starts with the initial phone screen. The recruiter is going to ask at the end, you know, what's your preferred base salary? The best way to do it is to deflect and say something like, well, what, what is the team, you know, I'm curious to know what you have in mind for the, what's the range, right? Something like that. And usually they'll give you the range. And if it's higher than the range that you had, play it cool. Like, okay, that was the range I was looking for. If it's significantly lower, you can choose to end the conversation, right? Because you don't want to go through the entire interview process and then it's not a good match for both parties. Um, but I would say definitely know your range. Have, you know, if the recruiter doesn't give you a range, then give the high end of the range because you've done your market research. You understand, you know, I'm looking for a range in between 150 and 170 and I'm open to understanding what the team has to offer. So that openness to understanding is really important because <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I don't know what the team has to offer. So let's be in a conversation about it. Also, I've seen folks just give a number and why we give a range as opposed to a number is because if you're like, yeah, I'm looking for 150 and they're like, okay, then it's, and, but they're, you know, maybe their 150 was the bottom of their range. Maybe then you don't want to sort of pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself into that. So yeah, I could talk about this in so many different ways. The way that we teach clients how to salary negotiate is we give a lecture on it and then we immediately have them practice. Cause it's one thing to know mm-hmm. what to say and how to negotiate. And it's another thing to be in the pressure cooker of an interview and be talking about something like money. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And then people, you know, what they end up saying is whatever you think is fair, like, like whatever comes out of their mouth, right? And so what we do is we want to integrate that knowledge into like actually have the body catch up. And once they practice over and over the different situations, then they're ready for it. And then it just rolls off smooth when they're in the pressure cooker. And it doesn't even feel like a pressure cooker because they're like, oh, I've done this before. My body has literally said these words and it feels natural. There's more flow. So a lot of people don't practice. And I think that's one of, you know, Workwell's competitive edges in the market is we, we sort of lovingly force you to practice <laughs> because knowledge is not enough. I think sometimes people think negotiating a salary, like the company is going to look down on you, but can you help us set the record straight on that? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking. So I was talking to someone who's a director level at Indeed. This is about two years ago. She said, Lucy, I'm so happy that Workwell's teaching salary negotiation. And I was like, thank you. Like me too. It's really fun. And she said, when people don't negotiate, it's such a bad look. And I was like, I know that, but can you please say more about why so I can tell my clients? And she was like, yeah, it just shows me that they don't know their worth. And it's, it's, I want them to negotiate. It's an expected part of the process. They're not going to offer you the top of the range because it's expected. So if they offered you the 170 and you're negotiating 20%, they're not gonna, you know, you're gonna be disappointed because you're like, wait, I thought this was expected. So it's sort of, it's how the game is played and it's let's not protest reality, let's work with reality and build the competence to navigate it effectively. So yes, especially in tech, and I'm speaking to tech specifically, so technical and non-technical roles in tech, Negotiation is an expected part of the process. Do it. Heard it here, everyone. (laughs) Take note. (laughs) We are going to head into the Working Girl Talk Top 10. Are you ready, Lucy? I've been waiting for this moment. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, first one. My first job ever. Coffee shop. And then next one. An essential part of my morning routine. 
I meditate. I'm obsessed with blank right now. I love the Enneagram and Rumi and Khalil Gibran's poetry. Ooh, what Enneagram are you? I identify, I lead with nine uh, with an eight wing. Yeah. How about you, Abby? I'm a three. Love. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) A girl boss that I look up to. Consuela Bennett. She was uh, one of my leaders at Apple and really just amazing human. Just led with such heart and conviction. So I learned a lot from her. Love that. I'm currently listening to. I'm currently listening to an audiobook called The Wild Edge of Sorrow. It's about grief and how we don't really allow for grief in our Western culture. We sort of, you know, try to get over it as quickly as possible, but it's important to create space for it um, to integrate. Super interesting. Next one, I'm grateful for oh everything all things seen and unseen I'm so grateful there's I'm grateful that I have infinite things to be grateful for I have blank at my desk always water keeps me hydrated (laughs) I talk a lot for work so yeah lots of actually I'll show you I know this is a podcast but this is my water bottle oh my goodness it's a whole mood yeah we all need that we need that (laughs) hydration that's awesome (laughs) yeah I feel most confident when I'm in community conscious community next one proudest moment in your career so far co-founding work well with Whitney and watching our clients go from 30k a year salaries in the bay to 120k purchasing their own homes um, in the Bay Area, all within less than a year. I mean, this is deeply, deeply rewarding work on so many levels um, to be able to to really um, support people and and reaching higher and and having the skills to to attain it. Next and last one, I am inspired by. I'm inspired by people who are radically authentic. Love it. Love it. Love it. So helpful. I'm so inspired. I think this is going to be so helpful for everyone to hear. Where can everyone check out WorkWell? And if they're interested in working with you guys, how do they go about that? Yeah, thanks for asking. We, you can find us at weworkwell.io. And we have a number of community events that we do on all kinds of things like storytelling for interviews. You can also follow us on Instagram. We're at workwellbewell on IG. And we just recently got on Clubhouse. Abby, are you on Clubhouse? I am on Clubhouse. Amazing. At work well (laughs) on Clubhouse. So please be in community with us if you enjoyed this. I'd love to support. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Lucy. It was so fun to catch up with her again. So happy to have her on the show. Make sure to check out work well and follow them on all the places so you can see all the amazing things they're doing and check out their events. And lastly, at the end of every Working Girl Talk episode, we end with a Friday favorite. Today's Friday favorite, something I liked this week, is a candle that I got from Bath and Body Works. Flavor is champagne toast. I've been lighting a candle in my office this week as I'm working, obviously in a safe space, making sure you have an open area for a candle, but lighting a candle in the office, it's a good scent. It brings some great vibes. So that is my Friday favorite, lighting a great candle in the office, getting the peaceful energy going in the office. 
Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk. If anything resonated with you today, make sure to screenshot this episode, share it to your story, and tag Working Girl Talk and tag WorkWell. Always appreciate hearing what you have to say. Rate the podcast five stars. Leave a review if you haven't already. Leaving a review for a podcast makes a podcaster's day and helps the podcast reach even more working women. Thank you so, so much. I will talk to you next week. Have a wonderful work day. Thank you.